Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Uh, if there's a message in this series that I really want you to uh, take and apply to your life, it is this one. This is the part in the series where we're about to really start putting uh, the rubber to the road, so to speak. So pull up a chair, get settled in, and let's get ready to move into God's Word. We are in part three of our current message series titled, Who's Your One? Lauren and I moved here in the spring of 2018, and we began to work with a core team of about 40 to 43 people to begin a work here in Saline County to plant our church. And one of the questions I would common, commonly and frequently ask our core team and the folks we were getting ready to launch with was the question, who's your one? And the whole point of asking that question was to challenge our team to dream about what their lives might look like and what our church plant might look like if we all had at least one person that we were actively praying for and intentionally seeking opportunities to share the love of Jesus with them, which might in turn set us up to share the message of the grace of God with them, also known as the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what this series is all about. We're getting back to that question of who is your one, in order to not just challenge you to dream about the what if you had one, but to actually help you identify your one or ones. The people that God is placing in your life that you need to be intentionally praying for, actively praying for, and having the spiritual awareness to see the opportunities that God is placing around you to share the love of Jesus with them so that you may in turn be set up to share eventually the message of Jesus Christ with them. Now, let me say this before we go any further. Oftentimes what we want to do, and I've been guilty of it as well, is we want to love people enough to the point where we can get them to church and then let the preacher share the gospel with them. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. It is part of it. But watch this, church. You individually can share the gospel too. And not only can you, you are called to. In fact, we've learned in this series so far, just in case you missed parts one and two, we learned so far that Jesus invites you and I to join his mission. And that mission is the mission of saving souls. A lot of times, though, what happens when we hear that thought and begin to try to embrace it and apply it is our spiritual enemy, commonly known as the devil or Satan, he loves to whisper lies in our ears. And he loves to whisper things like, who do you think you are to join the mission of Jesus? What makes you think you can share the gospel? After all, remember what's in your past? What makes you think you're qualified to share the good news of Jesus with someone? I mean, after all, how about that little issue you have in your life right now? And Satan loves to whisper these things. He loves to make us you know, think about, well, you missed your quiet time this week. You're not ready to share the gospel. 
But here's the neat thing for you and I, and we learned this in part one. Jesus doesn't call the best. He simply calls the willing. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And we're all called. And so if we will surrender to him and simply be willing, he will qualify us all along the way. And guess what? We don't go on this mission alone. We go with one another. But we also go with God the Holy Spirit. And think about this. God the Holy Spirit is the same one that resurrected God the Son, Jesus Christ. So we go into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so... If we think today that God can't work through us to share the gospel individually, then what an insult to his power. Because Jesus told his disciples, and he would tell it to you and I today, that it was better for him to go away so that the Spirit of God might come. So it's better for you and I today. We have more of an advantage than the original disciples did that walked with him in person. Because the Holy Spirit of God has come and he now lives and dwells within us and he's just awaiting you and I to surrender to him that he might work and speak and share the love of Jesus through us. We've also uncovered the truth that Jesus not only invites us to join his mission, he made us for it. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, one of the things we are fearfully and wonderfully made for is the mission of Jesus. Church, you are made for it. Not only are you made for it, you've been saved for it. God saved you to send you. He didn't save you to sit you. He saved you to send you. He wants to work through you to share his good news with the world that is lost and dying and will spend eternity in hell separated from him if the church does not rise up and be all that she is made and called to be. He found you so that he might work through you to find more people. It's our mission. It's what we are made for. And so today we want to continue building on these principles and we want to start putting hands and feet to it. We want to start applying these things. And so here in just a moment, we're going to get really practical. Laura and I, my wife and I, we've been blessed to be a part of two different mission trips to Ghana, West Africa. Which, by the way, if you ever want Jesus to set your heart on fire for sharing the gospel, go to other parts of the world where it's spreading like fire. And what will happen is you'll come back here and realize how lukewarm we all really are. Two different mission trips to Ghana, West Africa. Two different, radically different responses for me on the way back. First one, I came back cynical. I came back mad. I came back frustrated. Because what I saw over there the first time around, and even on the second time around, but I saw this hunger for truth. I saw genuine interest in things more than material. Because they ain't got no material. I saw families with babies walking, walking 
miles to gather with their local church under sticks. Rain or sunshine, it didn't matter to them. And what we will do at times is go, hey, we lost an hour of sleep. Maybe it would be okay if we just caught up on some sleep today. Jesus will understand. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a legalist. I'm not a rigid guy. I understand we are saved by the grace of God. We are not saved by our works. We work for Him because He has saved us. But what I am saying here is that our devotion at times needs to be turned up a few notches. But anyways, I came back from that first trip after seeing all those things and comparing it to the church in America, and I was frustrated, mad. Within two weeks of getting back from that trip, I was starting to starting a men's small group with some other men in my church at the time. And I was on fire about this small group, and I was asking some of my men, you going to be at group tonight? Oh, I don't know. If we get back from the golf course, we might be there. I just got back from this trip. And to see what those families were doing to gather with their faith families and to hear men say to me, we'll get there if we get done at the golf course in time, not a good combo. Not a good combo. After about a month, some of my friends in ministry had to pull me aside and say, look, man, you're going to drive people crazy if you don't cool it just a little bit. Second time around to Ghana, West Africa. Saw the same things, made the same comparisons. They were all still true, and they probably are today. Here's the big difference. A native missionary to Ghana said to me, he said, I admire your faith. Here I am, an American, thinking to him, I admire your faith. I said, why do you admire my faith so much? He said, you live on the toughest mission field on earth. I mean, keep this in mind. I mean, I look at his mission field. They drink water out of plastic baggies. They, have, they don't have electricity most of the time. It's hot. It's humid. They have to travel through what's called the bush in order to get to church. And as they travel along the way, there's wild animals. I mean, it's risky. But he says to me, you live on the toughest mission field on earth. And I said to him, I said, what do you mean by that? He said, people over there are so distracted. He said, they're so consumed with stuff. He said, and they're so easily lured away from the truth. He said, and you have to fight through all of that to get them to even realize they're in desperate need of a Savior named Jesus. My perspective shifted. And God began to show me, while your mission field is frustrating, it is where I have called you. See, both times I wanted to go, Lauren, we're moving to Africa where people accept the gospel left and right, and they're on fire for it. But God said to me, that's not where I've called you. I've called you to the States, and that's where I'm calling you to be a missionary. And watch this, unless God's radically calling you somewhere else today, it's where he's calling you to be a missionary also. See, while our church supports missions financially and while we will go on mission trips eventually, we are on an everyday mission trip right here in Saline County in central Arkansas. It's what God's called us to. It's what he invites us to. It's what he made us for. Well, when I got back from that second mission trip, 
the whole flight home, all I could think about was that native to Ghana saying to me, you live on the toughest mission field on earth. And the question that kept going through my head, Lord, where do I begin? How do we do this? Where do we start? I mean, what do we do? So let's ask that question today. Where do we begin? Because in this series, we've learned He invites us to join his mission. We've learned he's made us for his mission. We know there's over 60,000 people in Saline County that do not claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Where do we start? What do we do? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this thought down. Living on mission simply requires you to align your everyday life with Jesus' mission. Living on mission simply requires you aligning your everyday life with his mission. Now, let's look at where we get that thought from. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me read there with you now. This is Paul here speaking, and he's talking to the early Christians in Rome. And Paul says to them here, he says, I appeal to you now. Let me stop there. Another common translation says, Paul says, I plead with you. Appeal sounds kind of nice. Plead's more urgent. He says, I plead with you. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that could also be translated, I appeal to you because of all the good things that God has done for you. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Do you still believe the scriptures are relevant today? Do you still believe the scriptures are 100% true and have authority in our lives? If you do, these truths apply to us today. And the Lord is saying to you and I this morning, do not be conformed to this world. He goes on to say here, instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, about a few different things. First of all, he wrote this letter to them in regards to sin. It's one of the mega themes throughout Romans is sin. We all have a sin problem, right? The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners and we are all surrounded by sinners each and every day. We live in a wicked world that, man, it looks more and more wicked every day. So Romans is very applicable, but he also goes on to write about salvation. And then beyond salvation, he writes about the spiritual growth that should take place in our lives as a result of our salvation. He writes throughout Romans about God's authority in all of the world and over all of our lives. And then he also writes about service, our service to the Lord. Now remember, your service... To believers is your ministry. Your service to unbelievers or de-churched people, unchurched people, or lost people is your mission. 
So this passage here is applicable to the growth that should take place in our lives as a result of our salvation, and it's applicable to our service or our mission. I want to share with you another translation of Romans 12, 1 through 2. I love the way the message translation puts it. Now, the message translation is not a word-for-word translation. It is a paraphrase, meaning it tries to capture the thought of the passage and elaborate on it a bit. Look how Eugene Peterson puts it here. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. And he develops well-formed maturity in you. So what we want to do now is we want to talk for the remainder of our time about how to align our lives with the mission of Jesus. How to align our everyday ordinary life with the mission of Jesus, because it's what we're invited to, it's what we're made for, it's what we are called to. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is that in order to align your everyday life with the mission of Jesus, you must first daily place your life before God. Daily, you and I, if we're going to align our lives, our families, Our ordinary, everyday, walking around life, we must ask ourselves, am I placing it before Jesus? Romans 12.1, back to the ESV translation, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, I plead with you to place your life before the Lord. I plead with you, I urge you, I appeal to you to place your life before the Lord and that will be holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now a lot of times when we think about the mission of Jesus, we think of it at times as something we add to our lives. Something that we add to our schedules. For example... I know a pastor, this is a true story, I know a pastor that years ago, he doesn't do it anymore, but years ago, he would not allow himself to go to bed at night until he had shared the gospel with at least one stranger every day. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, I'm not going to put that down, but what he came to realize is that God wasn't calling him to add that one trip to go talk to the stranger and share the gospel to his schedule. God was calling him instead to take his everyday, ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and placing it before God with a willingness to be used by him to accomplish his mission in the world. 
And so watch this. I think if Paul wrote this passage today, he might would say something like this. Take your going to school and your going to practice and lay it before God. He might would say, take your going to work, your going to the ball fields, your going to the gym and lay it before him. It might sound a little something like this. Take your going to the walking track, to the grocery store, and to the coffee shop and lay it before the Lord. Or or how about this? Take your going to the barber shop, whether you're cutting hair or not cutting hair. Take your going to the gun range. And take your going to the golf course and lay it before the Lord. Place it all before Him. Take the places where you already go, place it before God, and align your life with His mission, and let Him work through you in the places where you already are. How about this one? I think Paul might word it this way. He might would say, take your views. Your views. Mask or no mask. Vaccine or no vaccine. Pandemic or no pandemic. Republican or Democrat. And place it before the Lord. See, Paul, he was very skillful at taking what the Holy Spirit wanted to pin through his hand and contextualizing it to the group or people that he was writing to. And I believe those are some of the things that he would say to us today. He would say, take all of that and place it before the Lord because when you do, then you will discover what is acceptable and what is good and perfect and pleasing to the Lord. And he'll he'll help you to filter it and go, you know what, this stuff over here, it ain't that big a deal. This stuff right here, you know what, it really doesn't align with his mission. This stuff here, you know what, in eternity, it really ain't going to matter. And he helps us to gain a spiritual vision for his mission. Because watch this, church, we aren't made for our purposes or our agendas. We think we are sometimes. But that's our flesh. God made us for his purposes. He made us for his agendas. We are saved for his glory to join his mission and spread the good news of his grace. Therefore, as the ESV translation puts it, we are here to be living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable to God. I'm sure some of you have heard this quote before. D.L. Moody. He said, the problem with the living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off of the altar. keeps crawling off the altar. That's why it's so important. That's why it's imperative that every day you and I spend time with Jesus. That every day we spend time with him before we do for him and meet with him in this word. Because this word right here has a way of helping us really truthfully answer the question, am I placing my life before the Lord? Second thing I want you to see this morning Once we place our lives before the Lord, we then, we then want to identify our circles of influence. We want to identify our circles of influence. Now, before I elaborate on this, look at Romans 12 verse 2 for me. It says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. The New Living Translation says, Do not be conformed to this world, but allow the Spirit of God to change the way you think. What I want to do for a moment here is I want us to challenge ourselves to let God change the way we think. And in doing so, we're going to talk about our natural circles, our circles of influence. And I'm going to ask the team to go ahead and throw an image up on the screen. And then I want to ask you to go ahead and take this sheet for me. This was in your seat when you came in this morning. Go ahead and grab that. You can begin to fill it in here in just a moment if you want, but I'm going to encourage you to fill it in later this week or later today. I want you to allow the Spirit to change the way you think about the places where He already has you. And let me give you an example of what these missional circles or natural circles or circles of influence may look like. The gym, the neighborhood, Sunday worship, school or daycare, your family, a coffee shop. These are just examples of places that you might frequent often. Places where you are naturally already going on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And here's what I want you to see. You are at those places for more than working out. You are at the coffee shop for more than a cup of coffee. God is placing you in the school or in the daycare when you pick up your kids for more than just school and for more than just daycare. God has you in your family for more than just family. You are here on Sundays for more than just coming and lifting up your hands and hearing a word. You are here to join his mission. You are are in your neighborhood for more than just living in your home. You are there for the mission of Jesus. And the places where God already has you are the places where he wants you to join his mission. It's not adding to your life. It's aligning where you already are with his mission. You're everyday, ordinary, walking around life and placing it before God. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge you to identify what your circles of influence are. And then I want you to align them with the mission of Jesus. For some of you, it could be the golf course. For all of us, it's work. Work is part of the mission of Jesus. Because God places co-workers, people all around you in those environments every day for you to share his love with. For all of us, it's our kids. Our number one mission in joining his mission is to see our children come to know the Lord. My kids are a huge part of me aligning my everyday life with the mission of Jesus. I want and I pray to see my daughter Cora come to know the Lord. I'm praying for it soon. She's already this morning. She woke me up this morning. The first thing she wants to do is talk about heaven. I'm like, oh man, let me get some coffee first. This is deep. But that's the mission. You see that? I didn't have to go, hey Cora, today at 2.30, we're going to go sit down and we're going to talk about heaven. It's the everyday, ordinary moments of our lives. That we simply align with the mission of Jesus. But I love what Kayla Marie had to say earlier. Oftentimes what we do is we get too busy to even notice it. 
so consumed with the things of this world. But Paul tells us in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the world. Instead, be transformed by the power of His Spirit and let His Spirit change the way you think so that you see that the everyday, ordinary things of your life should be aligned with His mission. Listen, folks, there are people at the barbershop that need Jesus. There are guys at the gun range that need Jesus. People on the golf course that need Jesus. The salon and the list could go on. He has put you in those circles to join his mission, to be his light, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Third thing, we're continuing to add to this a bit here, is I want you now to identify your one's in those circles. You're ones in those circles. Now, I have placed blanks in each one of these circles for you to be able to identify who it is in those places that God wants you to love on, to serve, to build meaningful relationships with so that you can pray for them and intentionally connect with them in order to invite them to church and have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 goes on to say that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now keep this in mind. Let me connect these things here. There are people in your circles of influence and it is the will of God that you be the one that he works through to reach them. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe, God Almighty, King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ himself, by the power of his Holy Spirit, wants to work through you to reach your one. And guess what? You don't even have to add it to your schedule. You just got to go with the willingness and an awareness to say, Lord, who are you placing around me now that you want to use for your mission and for your purposes? Remember last week when I shared with you the story of uh, us shoveling off our neighbor's driveway with all the snow? Well, God's continuing to work there. Yesterday, I got home from running to the store with the kids and we're getting out of the car and getting ready to go back in the house. She comes from her porch. Which this is the first time she's done it. We've lived there for almost five months now. She walks over from her porch and she says to me, she says, Hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but as the weather's warming up, would you care if our, our kids played together for a little bit and just hung out? God's answering the prayer. He's seeing a willingness on me and my family's part to join his mission. And he's going, that's what it's all about. He's saying, if you'll join me, I'll work on her heart because I'm here to seek and save the lost. And so what we're doing now is just trying to be sensitive to that. See, my flesh wanted to rush inside because at the time, my flesh wasn't in the mood to slow down and talk to my neighbor. But the Spirit of God said to me, hey, I am greater than your flesh. And the Spirit of God said to me, this is what you're preaching on. This is what I invite you to. This is what I made you for. It's time to align yourself with my mission. And you can do that too, church. You know why you can and how you can? The Spirit of God. We can't do it by ourselves, but with His help, we certainly can. 
So, what are your circles? And who are the people in those circles? Now watch this. The people in those circles don't all have to be unbelievers. There should be several in there. Because we should all know unbelievers. But the Lord also has a heart for the sheep that have strayed. He has a heart for the sheep that have wandered far from him. You'll hear me at times say lost people. You'll hear me say unchurched. And you'll hear me say dechurched. Lost people are those that do not know the Lord whatsoever. Unchurched folks are those that at some point came to a decision in their life where they called on Jesus and asked him to be Lord and be Savior. But the church didn't do a good job of getting them in and getting them involved in discipling them up in the family of God. Dechurched in our society is filled with these people are folks that somewhere along the way got burnt and hurt at church. And because they did, they said, I want nothing else to do with that anymore. That might be their thinking, but God still wants a lot to do with them. And we have an opportunity to be used by him to show them that, hey, sorry you got hurt in the past, but Jesus still wants you to be part of his church. And there's a way to do church healthy. And there's a way to handle things biblically. And so as we come to a conclusion here, here's what I want to do. Because you're going to identify your circles. Hopefully you're going to identify your names. And then once you have that done, you may think to yourself, okay, I've done this. What's next? Well, these aren't going to be on the screens, but these are just some practical tips. Once you fill this out, you're going to pray for them daily. Pray for them daily. And as you pray, you're going to ask the Spirit of God to begin drawing them and working on their hearts. You're going to ask the Spirit of God to give you opportunities to draw them near to himself through you, and you're going to ask God to work on their hearts. You're also going to ask God to show you a way, a way to strengthen your relationship with your ones so that you might be able to have a conversation with them about Jesus. Pray for them daily. Ask God to show you a way. And when he shows you a way, just be willing. Make yourself available. Allow your kids to be part of it. Let them see you living on mission. And then you're going to do whatever it is that God asks you to do. That's what willingness is. And as you do what he asks you to do, you're going to be sensitive to the leading of his Holy Spirit so that you don't go too slow and you don't go too fast. See, the challenge with what I call cold turkey evangelism it, is, it doesn't set you up, in my opinion, to effectively disciple someone. You heard me say last week, you've heard it lots of times from different people, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. When you build meaningful relationships with people through caring for them, through serving them, they see how much you care. And then they're willing to listen to the motivation behind your love and behind your service. And then you're set up to share the good news with them, and then you're even set up after the fact to have an ongoing relationship with them to help them grow in the Lord. If I cold turkey share the gospel with someone out here today, more than likely, they ain't interested. They don't know me. 
Why would they listen to me? It can happen. I'm not trying to discount it. But I believe one of the most effective ways we can share the gospel and live on mission with Jesus is to cultivate meaningful friendships and relationships with those that are already around us in the circles that God already has us. So next week, we're going to continue to build on this. And we're going to continue to align our everyday lives with the mission of Jesus. But until then, we need to go before the Lord now in prayer. And Mary Ann's going to make her way to the stage. And we're going to take this before the Lord. We're going to answer the question, are we aligning our everyday lives with his mission? We're going to go before the Lord and we're going to say, Lord, what are my circles? And if you're here today and you go, man, my circle, I mean, it's just, I don't hardly ever leave the house. Then you're going to ask the Lord to help you leave the house. And you're going to ask the Lord to help you identify those circles. Because guess what, folks? If you got breath in your lungs today, God wants to work through you. If you've got breath in your lungs and you got energy today, then you got a mission. And that mission is His mission. And we're going to ask the Lord now to show us who are the people that you're putting around me to love on, to pray for, and to serve so that you might open a way or a door for me to share your good news with them. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.